Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 254 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you're checking out the show live right now. Boxing is back in full swing. We had a loaded weekend of fights to review. We have a loaded weekend of fights coming up to preview. So let's go ahead and get the show started. Phone lines are open for those of you in the USA. It is toll-free, 213-267-7787. For those of you in the UK, it's 02081 As always, I remind you guys, the best thing you could do for me is give the show a like, a share, a subscribe. If you're subscribed to the Ring Digital YouTube channel, that's not enough. Make sure you click on the notifications bell, okay? Because YouTube does these stupid algorithm updates and they will unsubscribe you guys, all right? So make sure you're subscribed to the Ring Digital. Make sure you click on the notifications bell. You got to do that every week. I know. It's a, it takes two seconds of your time. I get it. It's a pain in the ass. Do it every week because these idiots at Google update the algorithm and they unsubscribe thousands of people every week. And by the way, Montero Unboxing is the handle for all the audio uh, of this podcast. So make sure if you guys are listening on Spreaker right now, live or Apple Podcast, any of the other audio platforms, there's 15 zillion of them. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you drop a like, a comment, a review, whatever it is. That helps me out more than anything, guys. Spread the word about the show, okay? This is TNC 254 for the week of February 20th. I hope that you guys had a great Valentine's Day weekend. For those of you in the U.S. of A., I hope you're enjoying your President's Day. Some of you who uh, work at banks and government jobs and stuff, you had the day off today. I hope that you're enjoying your day off. Oh, my God. Tiffany, my wife, is jumping in here in the studio live. I, I She just brought me a shot of, is this vodka? What is this? Vodka. All right. All right. I'm going to go ahead and do a shot here live on the air. This is very unprofessional. Check out my Detroit Tiger shot glass. Baby, I'm supposed to be cutting weight right now, but you know what? We're, we're celebrating President's Day. Okay. Salute to everybody. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Awesome President's Day. Oh, my God. Here we go. I haven't had a drink in a while. Whew. All right. That was hot, 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 hot. All right, make sure you close that door, baby. Thank you very, very much. The soundproof studio is closed again. That was my wife bringing me a shot. Whew, that was unprofessional. But you know what? Sometimes you got to have a little fun. All right, checking out the chat here. We got a few of you guys on the chat watching the show live. A reminder that the phone lines are open. We're not bringing on guests on the show until I get the video stuff uploaded. I've got guests seriously waiting on deck. But I want to wait until we have the video feature up, guys, because I want these guys to be able to show their face to all of you so that you can't just hear their voice, but you see them as human beings. I think that's important. So we, the software, the hardware that I ordered, we have received it. We just have to test it out now. By the way, uh, we'll be doing that over the next couple of weeks, but next weekend, or next week, I should say, I'll be traveling to Miami to cover the Canelo versus, versus Yildirim fight. So for any of my friends, any of my listeners, my subscribers down there in Florida who want to hang out, meet up, talk some boxing, 
I'll be down there during fight week covering that event for Ring Magazine and RingTV.com. So uh, hit me up, whether you DM me on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, leave a comment right here on YouTube, whether it's uh, Ring, Ring Digital's YouTube channel or wherever it is. And we'll get up because I'll be staying very, very close to the fight venue. I've never been at that fight venue. I'm excited to check it out because it looks like an awesome venue with the open roof and everything like that. And Florida is pretty wide open right now. Uh, Look, COVID's very, very real. I get it. But I think that if you're young and healthy and you take precautions, you wear a mask when you should, you do the things you're supposed to do, I think it's okay to hang out, have a drink, shake hands, talk boxing. I will be there in Miami. So will my wife, Tiffany. We'll be down there covering the event, uh, Canelo versus Yildirim. So make sure that you check us out. Um, So I can't necessarily have the equipment that we just ordered all tested and ready to go quite yet. But at some point in March, we'll have the video feature up. Right now, the phone lines are open, though, guys. So if you want to talk about the fights last weekend or you want to preview the big fight we have this weekend, Burchelt versus Valdez, which I think is the first big fight of this year. Now, I get it. It's not a big fight commercially. But in terms of diehard fight freaks, which all of you are if you're watching or listening to this show, that is a huge can't-miss fight of the year candidate right there. And we'll talk about it. So, news and notes. Not a whole lot to discuss, except for one item. Canelo Alvarez granted a promoter's license in Nevada. Now, you see I'm wearing my Canelo Alvarez cap right now. I'm trolling some of the Canelo haters because, look, I get it. It's easy to hate on Canelo. All the privilege. I understand all that stuff. But you cannot deny that he is one of the best operators in the sport of boxing, what I consider to be a martial art. I I still don't understand how people don't consider boxing a martial art. It absolutely is. He is one of the best practitioners in the martial art of boxing on planet Earth, if not the best. So I'm rocking the cap to annoy some of you haters. And Canelo Promotions officially launched, all right, and they have a promoter's license in the state of Nevada. He wants to fight Billy Joe Saunders May 8th. That's not official yet, but I think that's coming. He's got to beat Avni Yildirim. He's a heavy, heavy favorite in that fight. It is a mandatory fight. I do think he's going to win. And then if it's Billy Joe Saunders May 8th, possibly in that Allegiant Stadium, that brand-new football stadium they just built there, that's a big event, dude. That's the first commercial Big event of the year. Now, we'll talk later on in this show. We'll preview Burchelt Valdez. That's the first big diehard fight freaks type of fight of the year. But if Canelo ends up fighting Billy Joe Saunders, Allegiant Stadium, May 8th, Las Vegas, that's the first big major commercial fight of the year. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one, man. I want to see what he does. Because, look, a lot of the Canelo haters have been saying that he hasn't fought nobody. And Billy Joe Saunders is going to be the guy that upsets him. Last night I did a national radio segment with Dave Smith. So check it out. I posted it to my YouTube channel, Montero Unboxing. I posted the audio there where you guys can check that out. And Dave Smith is a believer in Billy Joe Saunders. And he said, by the way, uh, Dave Smith has been one of the very few national radio guys in the United States that has been covering boxing consistently for decades. He's one of the last guys in the United States that talks about boxing regularly on his radio show. So make sure you check check out Dave Smith because he's covering the sport. He's showing respect to the sport. 
It's not a lot of mainstream guys, especially in radio, sports talk radio, like AM radio and stuff, showing love to boxing as regularly as Dave Smith does. So make sure you check him out. But he's one of those guys that thinks Billy Joe Saunders can get it done against Canelo. Now, for the record, I favor Canelo in that fight, 116-112, 117-111-ish. We'll see when it happens. But if and when it happens, I think that's a big event, man. I think that's a really big event, especially if it happens in Vegas, Allegiant Stadium, with Canelo promoting it. All right, that's it for news and notes, man. I'm going to go over here to the phone lines. 901 is the area code. Let me uh, bring up this phone call here. All right, 901, you are on the show. Go. Okay, 901, uh, what's hey, up? Mike, how you doing? I'm, uh, yeah, 901, can you hear me there, Mike? I can hear you, brother. What's going on? Uh, Okay, fantastic. Well, you know, I I didn't know about this uh, uh, Canelo uh, Saul Alvarez getting a promoter's license, and I, you know, I think he's got, you know, he's kind of got the uh, the left hook uh, to turn out your lights, and he's kind of got the, uh, the 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 cash and probably to turn them back on, if you know what I mean. So I I'm thinking that's a pretty good idea. Maybe he's he learned a lot more from Floyd, uh, other than you know how to. Uh, get embarrassed uh in a one-on-one <laughs> fight but uh you know i i i i don't see what the big deal is with nevada granting them a uh, promoter's license i mean they you know i got the marriage license in vegas uh three i'm sorry uh, actually four times mike and uh you know if can get a promoter's you, license how many once, of them so, do you, you remember know, all right hold on, hold on. this is midwest sea line i know because you're infamous from your call last week with that british accent which by the way you got to do again but Okay, you got married in Vegas four times. How many of them do you remember, though? That's the question. Well, you know, one of them was kind of a joke, and uh, the other were uh, the other three were, and they were uh, just kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I rem- I remember uh, three of them. Uh, uh, well, you know, I remember two of them, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, the other two, I uh, wish I didn't, or something like that. <laughs> it, it, you know, yeah. as long as they were all but female, I, you know, good, good, good. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it's you know, sometimes you get a little carried away, and uh, and if that chapel's just a block away, and you you know, you, you you're on the way to the liquor store, sometimes you <laughs> you stop over and you say, hey, make let's make this some kind of a real celebration, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, Chris Everett Chris Everett Lloyd wins an awful lot, but you know, it, you know, it, it's it's a big deal. I was uh, I, I'm uh, I'm kind of I tell you what I've been looking forward to McGill Burchell fighting again for a long, long time. You know, I, I personally really, my fantasy fight would be him and uh, Tank Davis because it'd be kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a quick draw, a gunsmith against uh, the Terminator. It's like Westworld, the movie against uh, the first Terminator, Oscar Valdez. Yeah, like a team model. Up. I mean, uh, you know, it's like a team model one-on-one. But That's like Terminator 2 versus Godfather 2, the best two movie sequels in film history going up against each other. I love that matchup if it ever happens. Well, you know, Superman two wasn't too bad neither, and and, and uh, you know, is that the one where he flew backwards that, uh, and like spun the Earth around backwards to like draw, uh, make time go backwards, or am I mixing them up? That's uh, that's the first one there. Mike, okay, when, okay, uh, Lois okay. Lane died right. at the end, but uh, Superman two was when the three uh, from the planet Crypto came came over and they busted out and they uh, 
they took over the planet Earth, and yeah. uh, and one of them was a was a real attractive but quite a, a, a nasty British lady. Imagine <laughs> if like Margaret Thatcher was uh, you know the least bit attractive and, and kind of hot. And the and, Iron you know, Lady, was, you hey, know, she was, got shit done, bro. Have a bullwit or something. Let's let's give Margaret Thatcher some credit. She got things done. Not the most attractive, but oh. Uh, she got a lot of awful things done there. I, uh, you know. Our British but, uh, listeners could respond to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe they're better suited for that. But yeah. uh, the Bert Jelk fight, you know, I, I, Valdez, I think, is a good step up. It was nice to see him fight Jason Sosa and, and Vargas. And uh, my favorite was the two Miguels, Roman and uh, and uh, Miguel Bert They, You know, it was you know, kind of two scary guys trying to kill each other. It was... Uh, it was kind of like Mickey Ward fighting Mickey Ward. But, yeah. Or I think that's where, I think that's where we're getting Raiders Saturday, bro. I, I honestly think, I mean, I'll get to the fight preview later, but I think that's what we're going to get Saturday. I think this is a fight of the year candidate that we're going to get this Saturday. What do you think? Well, Mike, I think that uh, uh, Miguel Burchelt is going to bust up Oscar De La Valdez to make him look like the Exxon Valdez, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you were on the record, sir. You're on the record. Oh, yeah. How do you see it going, Mike? Well, I'll break it all down, I promise. I'm going to break it all down later, but we got other calls I got to jump to. Um, I might surprise you with my pick, though. I'm going to surprise you. Well, I like surprises, especially if they are 36D, so I'll catch you later. (laughs) All right, bro. Thanks for calling in. Midwest Ceylon. Okay, there. You betcha. The infamous caller here on TNC. All right, guys, we're going to jump to one more call real quick, and then we're going to get to that fight review. Real quick, before I jump to this next call, uh, we have a Super Chat pledge from Deed3440. Thank you so much. He says, if Mungia fights Triple G, he gets stopped, KO'd in 10. I tend to agree, man. I I tend to agree. Although he might have enough youthful energy and strength and stamina to last the distance, but if they fight, which is a very real possibility for this spring, uh, I heavily favor Triple G in that matchup. I think that Triple G's fundamentals, his power, his precision, his uh, skill set, all those things will just just. I like Mungia in terms of his strength, his activity. But I, I just think that he doesn't have those fundamentals, man. And those wide, looping shots, Triple G is going to get in the middle of those. It's possible he could hurt him, catch him while he's throwing. But I just think Mogia is very, very big and strong. And I think he's going to last the distance in that fight. But I wouldn't be surprised if your prediction rings true. Thank you again for the super chat. Also on the chat, I got to bring this up. Uh, Sports Talk with Troy says, The Empire Strikes Back is superior to all part twos in movie history. Look, The Empire Strikes Back is up there. I got to say, was that 82 or 85? I think it was 82, but correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. Uh, I was was born in 79, so I was like three years old when that came out. But The Empire Strikes Back, pretty damn legit for part twos. I got to say, in terms of sci-fi, easily, easily the best part two in sci-fi movie history. Come at me, bro. I just think that was easily number one. But Godfather part two, dude. And I got to say, well, you know what? I'm going to walk back. I'm going to walk this back a little bit. Terminator part two, that counts as sci-fi. 
Terminator 2, that might be Empire Strikes Back. It's close. It's close. But either way, Godfather 2, I am partial to. Uh, the part where they show the Italian immigrants coming over on the boat, crossing past the, uh, going towards Ellis Island, crossing past the Statue of Liberty. Kind of brings a tear to my eye every time I watch it because I have ancestors that were right there doing that. It, it hits you right here in the heart, man. I, I, I got to say, that's probably the best sequel in movie history, if not the best movie in American film history. But let's jump back to the phones real quick before I get to the fight review. We're going to go to uh, 813 on the phone lines here. 813, you're on TNC. Go. Michael Montero, this is JP from Tampa, Florida. What is up, brother? JP from Tampa. What's up, man? And congratulations, by the way. You guys just took that Super Bowl. That's pretty awesome, bro. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm not a, I'm not a huge um, football fan, just like uh, the previous caller. Shout out to him, by the way, with the British accent. The fake British accent. That's funny. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I wanted to um, just basically call and give a shout-out to Richard Comey. I haven't heard you say anything about him, but he just came back with a victory this past weekend. You look over, great. You look great. You know, some guy that's relatively unknown, but, you know, he, he did pretty well. He looked great, that fight. Look, listen, that win, or, and I'll get to it in a fight review. I'm just about to get to that, but I'm glad because you're giving me a segue into that, brother. Uh, Richard Comey looked great. With that KO win over Jackson Marinez, who I think got ripped off in his last fight against Raleigh Romero. Uh, that's a good win for Comey. And I think he solidified and proved that he has a top 10 lightweight, maybe even a top 5 lightweight. And I think that makes Teofimo Lopez's win over him look that much better. What do you think about that? I, I totally agree with that. I think that win over Richard Comey now is aging very well. Yeah, and Richard yeah. Comey, I think, really needs to be put in the mix with all those guys like the Devin Haney's of the world, the Teofimo Lopez back in there. I know he, he just lost to Teofimo, but still, you know, he, he's a quality guy. You know, he Absolutely. needs to be up there with all those guys. I completely so, agree with you. Another thing, um, David Avanesian and Josh Kelly coming up this weekend. Go. What do you think? Yes. Well, did you? I don't know if you saw. If you're on Twitter, there was a fake Twitter account saying that fight was canceled due to COVID. That's complete bullshit, by the way. The fight is on, uh, but okay. I know a lot of people are picking Avanesian, and you're kind of stealing my thunder because I was going to get to this later in the show. But I think Josh Kelly is going to show us something in this fight. I think he's going to look at that tape of. uh, Warrington versus Lara from last weekend and say this is what not to do and fight smart, box, use his athleticism, his superior boxing craft. I do think he's a craftier boxer in that fight. I think he's going to win by decision. What do you think? Uh, Man, I have to disagree with you on that one. I'm looking at David, I mean, um, Josh Kelly on here, and I'm looking at that he has victories. Well, Let's say, let's go back to 2019 when he fought Ray Robinson. You know, right. he got a draw against that guy. He should have beat him. A lot then of people he thought Winston he lost Campos. that fight. Right. Then he fought Winston Campos, who looks like most of his career but has been out of Nicaragua. Mm. And he beat that guy, but he didn't impress. It's one of those things that they did put a contender 
or, um, you know, a prospect, and they put them in a position to shine, and they don't shine. You know what I mean? And then I compare it to David Avanisium, and David Avanisium, I know he lost to uh, Igor Kavalioskas. Yes. But yes. he went six rounds with that guy, and that's a pretty solid fighter. Agreed. He also he fought Shane you know? Mosley. It, it was a shot version of Shane, but Shane is that, an all-time that's great. That's an old team mostly, but still, right. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So based on that, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to go – I'm going to side with Avanisium here. And he's kind of the underdog in the, in the betting lines too. Here's the thing, dude. If that fight was happening, let's say, in California, maybe I agree with you. But all things considered, if that goes the distance, I like Kelly yeah. close on points. It might be controversial. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. You take mm-hmm. from that what you will. But I think that I, I honestly believe that Kelly is going to box smart in this fight. You mentioned this fights with Campos, Robinson. I think at times in those fights he got lured into uh, brawls. He got lured, you know. He got busted up. His face got marked up a little bit. I think in this fight he's going to be smart. He's going to sit back, work behind the jab, use his fundamentals. I think he's going to squeak out. He's going to learn on the job. He's going to maybe take some punishment early on, but adjust in the middle rounds and win a close one fifteen, one thirteen type of decision in this fight. That's what I see. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right because I'm thinking for David to win, David's gonna have to rough him up, maybe knock him down a couple of times because yes. you know you got a Russian going over to the Wembley Arena to win a decision there. Uh, that's gonna be a tall order. I agree with you, brother. I mean, we saw. I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but there was a decision over there in the UK this weekend: uh, Zelfa Barrett versus Kiko Martinez, where uh, that's very controversial. A lot of people thought that Martinez won that fight. Barrett got the decision. So with the scorecards over there, you just don't know, brother. And look, it, for the record, I want to say for my U.K. listeners, it's the same thing when the U.K. fighter travels here to the United States. It is what it is. But I just think that uh, Avanesian, he has shown heart in big fights. He has stepped up and fought top fighters. He's come up short in most of those fights. And I just think Kelly's going to show us something and take a close decision. All right. Can't wait to see, man. All right, brother. Great show, man. I'll let you go so you can uh, keep it going, okay? But, hey, keep pushing, okay? Thank you so much, man. Thanks for calling in. Call back anytime, my man. From Tampa, Tampa, St. Petersburg. I got to get down there, man. That's one of the few parts of the United States I actually haven't been to. I've been to all parts of Florida, and like I said, I'll be in Miami in a couple weeks. But uh, haven't been to Tampa. I want to check Tampa out because I hear – is very beautiful. My sister who just visited me this weekend, her and her husband and her uh, little son, who just turned two, my little nephew, Luca. Those of you who follow me on social media, you saw me post a picture with him. Um, they visited this weekend, and my sister's been down to Tampa, and she says it's awesome. So I need to go down there and check it out. Okay, let's get into the fight review, guys. We are already 25 minutes into the show, but we haven't even started the review. So let's go back to Saturday, February 13th. We had three different cards. This was a pretty loaded weekend. And I got to say, you saw a little bit of everything last weekend. Let's go. Let's start over in London, in the UK. Uh, the Zone, of course, Sky over there in the UK. And in the upset special, I saw a couple of you guys talk about this in the chat. Mir- uh, Mauricio Lara scoring a TKO 9 win over Josh Warrington. This was a huge upset. And look, this is already upset of the year. Now, maybe there will be another upset later on, but 
If you guys who listen to the show, you remember me last year talking about COVID, quarantine, lockdowns, inactivity was going to affect certain fighters. You guys remember me saying that a year ago. And I really do think that it bit Josh Warrington in the ass here. I talked about that last night. I did a national radio segment, as I mentioned, with Dave Smith. And I brought this up as an example of a fighter that was marinating these big fights for too long. Remember, just recently, Josh Warrington dumped his IBF featherweight title. He said, I want a big fight with Shu Khan. I want a fight with Gary Russell Jr., who I'll talk about in just a second, because he has to feel like the idiot of the year so far. But... uh, he was trying to go for these big, big fights, and I honestly think he overlooked this dude. And, and Lara showed up in amazing condition, was throwing bombs from early on, badly hurt Warrington in that fourth round, dropped him. And look, that fight, if that fight would have taken place anywhere else outside the UK, it probably gets stopped in the fourth round. Give Warrington credit. He showed tremendous heart. Fought on till the ninth round. Those five extra rounds of punishment might change him. He might never look the same after this, guys. Honestly. And I really do believe he was one of the top featherweights in the world going into this fight. I don't know after this. I really don't know. Because when you take punishment like that, I believe he was concussed right there in the fourth round. And it was reflexes and training that kept him up from there to the ninth round when he finally was dropped and stopped uh, for good by Lara. Uh, the ref finally jumped in and stopped it. But I just wonder if he's ever going to be the same. Seriously. For Lara, he's suddenly a player in the division. And the ring ratings committee talked about this over the weekend. Where do we rate him? Now, I'll go on record saying I think Lara should be the number four featherweight in the world, right behind Kid Galahad. I think number five should be Emmanuel Navarrete. I think number six should be Josh Warrington. For the record, there are people in the ring ratings committee that consider dropping Warrington out of the top 10 altogether. There are people that said he should be at number nine, number 10. I think that's a bit harsh. I think put him right there at number six. Number four is Lara. Number five, Navarrete. Number six is Warrington. That's the way I see it. Let me know what you guys think. But... Warrington, going back to COVID, layoffs, all this, he was coming off a 16-month layoff, the longest of his career, nearly two years since he had fought a top featherweight, nearly two years since he had fought Kid Galahad. Because remember, he came back and I think he fought a mandatory against a tie fighter. That was pretty much a tune-up against a C-level guy. So he hasn't faced a top-level, elite-level featherweight in almost two years, and I really think it caught up to him here. Uh, Lara... Let's talk about him from Mexico. Turns 23 uh, next week, literally a week from now. I think a week and a half from now. He turns 23 years old, young. This was only his second fight outside of Mexico. He had fought once in Argentina. Of course, this fight was in the UK. Sky's the limit for this dude. Do I consider him to be up there with guys like Kid Galahad and Gary Russell, even Shu Khan? No, I don't consider him to be at that level. Maybe he is. Maybe he'll show us something. I got to tell you, though, I want to see this damn fight again. I want to see this kid fight again. There is a rematch clause in the contract. As as of the time I'm recording this, Warrington has not uh, gone with that rematch clause quite yet. We'll see what happens. Either way, I want to see Lara fight again, whether it's against Warrington or one of the other top guys. But I put him, again, right in there at number four. 
in this division. Now, let's get to Gary Russell real quick. Uh, real quick, Josh Warrington. You're marinating too long. You're waiting for the big fights. And I get it. They did offer Gary Russell Jr. $1 million. But there were other fights on the table. You found a way not to make it happen. And this kind of bit you in the ass, dude. You would have looked a lot better rematching Galahad and maybe losing that fight on the cards because I don't think Galahad would have stopped him. He's not that kind of fighter. Uh, That would have looked better than this type of loss, which may change him. This is the kind of loss Deontay Wilder suffered against Tyson Fury. Jeff Lacey suffered against uh, uh, Joe Calzaghe. There's a million examples I can bring up where a dude's never the same. I don't know if Warrington's going to be the same after this, but Gary Russell Jr. was offered a million dollars to go over to the UK and fight Warrington by uh, Eddie Hearn. And of course he said no. Now he says that was on him. I'm telling you guys off the record, but not 100% off the record. That was his advisor saying, look, dude, we're going to put you in a pay-per-view against Gervonta Davis later this year. You'll get a mil five, two mil. Gary Russell Jr. is probably going to be knocked out in that fight or at least lose very, very badly, as widely as he lost to Lomachenko a few years back. But he'll make a little bit more money. He'll sit on the shelf for the entire year, make a little bit more money in one fight. But this goes back to the business of boxing here in the United States, not just with the PBC. They're not the only offenders here, but there does seem to be a track record over on that side of the street. Guys like me talk about it. I'm called a hater. I've called all these other things. I'm just telling you guys the truth. He's being advised to sit on his ass, turn down a million dollars. Does anybody out there doubt that if Gary Russell Jr. had gone over there to the UK and fought Warrington this weekend, that he wouldn't have won? Now, maybe it would have went to distance because Russell's not a power puncher, but he would have beat Warrington and made a million dollars and then could have went into that fight later this year on Showtime pay-per-view with Trevante Davis with a little bit of momentum and some extra money in his pocket. But instead, he's going to sit in his ass all year. He'll fight Davis later this year on pay-per-view. He'll make a little bit more money on in that one payday. But collectively, for the entire year of 2021, he won't make as much as he could have made. And he's going to take a wide loss. That is the business of boxing that I talk about here in the United States. And I think it's hurting the sport here in America I bring it up. I'm called a hater. I'm called all these other names. You guys who saw my live uh, boxing chat last Friday on my channel, Montero Unboxing, you know some of the things I'm talking about, some of those labels. All I do is bring this stuff up, and it's very real. It's happening here. Myself and a few others honestly talk about it, and we're labeled uh, all sorts of negative terms for it, but it is what it is. Okay. Also on this card, guys. Robbery of the year so far. I'm not going to call this a blatant robbery. We've seen far worse robberies in recent years. This was a close fight. It's not necessarily that the decision went to Zelfa Barrett. It's the scorecards. So Zelfa Barrett scores a unanimous decision over Kiko Martinez in a 130-pound fight. This went to distance, of course, 12 rounds. Howard Foster from the UK scored at 116-113 for Barrett. I can... Deal with that scorecard. It's within the realm of possibility. I think you're giving the swing rounds to the UK fighter, okay, but I can deal with it, okay? But these other scorecards by Steve Gray and Bob Williams, who are also UK judges, they had it 118-111 for Barrett. Those are horrible, horrible scorecards. 
And all three of these judges were from the UK. And I don't want to beat up on my UK audience. I think the UK is doing a fantastic job in the sport of boxing right now. Uh, The UK boxing scene is exploding. There are bad decisions here in America. I could name 10 of them in the past few years. I could name bad decisions in Japan, Germany, all over the place, okay? This happens everywhere in boxing. But when you have a guy flying in, I think Martinez is from Spain, to fight a UK fighter, and all three of the judges are from the UK, and the scores are this bad, this wide, it's a really, really bad look for the BBB of C. They need to clean this shit up. They really, truly do. They're not the only ones. I hear you, okay? I don't need to see those comments because I agree with you guys out there, not the only offenders. But this is something that they need to clean up, and they need to do it ASAP because the UK boxing scene is exploding. There are going to be more and more title fights happening over on that side of the pond. Man, bring over a judge from Japan. Bring a judge from Ghana, a judge from Mexico, a judge from the United States. Mix it up a little bit. Give a better look. This is a really, really bad look. And for the record, Eddie Hearn, who put on this card, this was a matchroom card, he even said those scorecards were atrocious. Eddie Hearn said that, okay? Going against his own fighter, he said that. So if the promoter's saying that, then you guys know there's something to it, okay? The UK boxing scene needs to clean this shit up. Not the only offender. Other jurisdictions need to clean up their mess too, but the UK clean this shit up. All right, let's come over to the United States. Golden Boy Promotions in uh, at the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California on The Zone. I covered this card for RigTV.com. So uh, for those of you who check out Rig TV, I wrote recaps on these cards uh, and this card, these fights, as soon as they finished. Make sure you guys check those out. In the co-main, Brian Carlos Castano with the unanimous decision win over Patrick Teixeira wins the WBO junior middleweight title. What I find funny about this is almost immediately afterwards, the PBC, I think it was PBC and Fox, their Twitter profile, tweets out, congratulations, Brian Castano, for winning the, they didn't just call it the junior middleweight title. They specifically put in WBO, those initials, for winning the WBO junior middleweight title. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. For the the past two, three, maybe four years, the PBC, specifically the PBC and Fox, has pretended the WBO doesn't exist because they did not want their guy, Errol Spence, to fight Terrence Crawford. I talked about this on my radio segment last night. I've lost all confidence that fight happens. At least I've lost all confidence that it happens when it would matter. If it ever does happen, it won't matter by then. Kind of like Pacquiao-Mayweather. Or I should say Mayweather-Pacquiao because Mayweather won that fight. But I do find it interesting that suddenly PBC acknowledges the WBO title. And I'm not trying to beat up on PBC on this podcast because PBC puts on a lot of great events. They do a wonderful job. But in this particular instance, y'all are being hypocrites. Travels seven pounds north of Terrence Crawford and his WBO title. And suddenly you recognize Brian Castano's WBO uh, 154-pound title because... It's very, very obvious that later in the year, we're going to get a PBC on Fox pay-per-view fight between Jermel Charlo, Brian Castano, 
It's going to be marketed as a complete unification of the junior middleweight division, which it will be, of course. It will be all the titles, including the Ring Magazine, Lineal Championship. And I do think Charlo's going to win that fight. He just stylistically, in terms of all the intangibles, the the, uh, X's and O's, he matches up very well against Castano. I really do think. Castano's going to be the best fighter he's ever fought. Bar none, hands down, yes. But Charlo physically matches up very well against him, and I think he wins that fight. It's very interesting to me that the PBC will go ahead and do that full unification, which is seven pounds south. (laughs) You have Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, clearly the number one, number two welterweights in the world. They won't do that one. That's hypocritical, guys. You could blame one side. You could blame both sides, whatever. But there's a track record here. Do the math. It's pretty hypocritical. All right. So also on this card in the main event, Joseph Diaz uh, settles for a majority decision win over Shavkatson Rakamov. So the IBF junior lightweight title uh, lost Diaz lost on the scales. Rakimov didn't win it, so it goes to nobody. That title goes off into outer space, and they'll, I'm sure they'll match a couple guys to fight for the vacant title uh, sooner or later. This was a battle of southpaws. Rakimov was ahead in this fight going into the championship rounds. I thought that Diaz started strong. He was throwing hard punches. It was clear he wasn't 100% sure about his conditioning. And was going for a knockout early. I wrote about that in my piece on ringtv.com. It was pretty evident. That's what he was trying to do. Didn't work. Rakimov hung tough. Really came through in the middle rounds. And I thought won the majority of those middle rounds. And going into the championship rounds, I had Rakimov ahead. However, Diaz and all his experience, that deep amateur pedigree, Going to the Olympics, fighting guys like Gary Russell and and other top fighters at 126, 130, prepared him for this sort of fight. And his experience, he relied on the experience. He used a couple of old veteran tricks, and that is what pulled him through in this fight. And Rakimov learned a little bit on the job, but ultimately what he learned is that he gave this fight away. I I thought that this reminded me of when Iris Landilara fought Canelo Alvarez. And I had Lara ahead going into the championship rounds of that fight. I was ringside for that fight. I was right there by the ring. And Lara simply gave it away. He let himself be outworked in the championship rounds by a guy who was just a little craftier. And that's what we saw here. Diaz went on a bizarre, uh, expletive-filled rant after the fight. He hinted that Golden Boy Promotions did him no favors in this fight. That he again, I should, I didn't even mention this. I should mention it. He missed weight for this fight by three point six pounds, which means he didn't even try. He joked about the fact that his pregnant wife was eating sweets, and during fight camp, he ate sweets with her. I think it's very, very clear that he won a title. His head got a little big, and I like Joseph Diaz. I wrote a piece on Joseph, introducing him to the UK fans in uh, Boxing Monthly magazine, going back. Three, four, maybe five years. I've been following his career for a long time. I've been to the gym where he trains, where him and his dad train with all the kids there. I've seen all the trophies he won as an amateur. Talked to him personally. Me and Tiffany did, uh, my wife. And I've followed Joseph for a long time. He, he's come to uh, – he's worked out once at the gym I used to work out at in L.A. Gave him a uh, copy of 
the box and monthly, uh, the issue of box and monthly where I wrote about him in there, took a picture with him and a copy of the magazine with him and his dad. So he's a guy I followed very, very closely from when he was a prospect all the way to a title holder. I really think this was a case of him. His head got a little too big and he thought his, uh, he thought he had more weight than he really had. And that caught up with him. This was, he should have beat Rakamov. He's a level above this guy. The fact that he settled for a draw in this fight was a moral loss. Where does he come back from here? I don't know. But he complained afterwards about, oh, well, there was no treadmill in the, at Fantasy Springs Casino where he was staying at the fight hotel. There's no treadmill. I had to work out in my room with the heat on. I had to run an exercise bike or jump rope in the room with the heat on. Well, so did Rakamov. He made weight. He went through all the bullshit you went through. You didn't make weight. So that's on you, dude. That's 100% on you. That's not on, that, that's not on anybody else, your promoter, your management. And he tried to insinuate that, oh, this wasn't a professional world championship level set up for me. That's bullshit. Your job as a fight sports athlete, whether it's boxing, MMA, wrestling, whatever, is to make weight. You didn't do that. That's 110% on you, brother. You got to come back from this and show that you really, really want this. You won your world title. You won your money. Are you going to fade out now? Or are you going to show that you're legit and that this is really, really who you are? We shall see uh, going forward. Real quick, guys. Top rank on ESPN from the bubble at the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada. This was on ESPN. Joe Smith Jr. and Maxim Vlasov. That light heavyweight scrap was postponed due to uh, Vlasov's uh, testing positive for COVID-19. That sucks. Major buzzkill because a lot of people were looking forward to that title fight. However, Richard Comey scores a KO6 win over Jackson Marinez, who, again, in his last fight was robbed by Raleigh Marrero, Romero. I think he's a very capable fighter. For Comey to blast him out the way he did shows and proves he is a top 10 lightweight. And look, both Comey and Nakatani are coming off impressive wins. For Tiafima Lopez to go through those two fighters, and I get it, he didn't look great against Nakatani, but he won 10, 11, 12 rounds of that fight. So He didn't knock him out, but he still dominated the fight, and he knocked out Kome. He clearly, decisively, in a competitive fight, beat Lomachenko. That proves Tiafima Lopez, guys, he is legit. He is a pound-for-pound player. Those wins have aged extraordinarily well for him. Also on this card, heavyweight, a 21-year-old American heavyweight from Toledo, Ohio, Jared Anderson improved to 8-0 with eight knockouts with a KO6 win. He's got a lot of American fight fans excited because he is, you see a lot of American heavyweights coming in from other sports, right, football, basketball, whatever, and they're competing in the heavyweight division at the age of 30. They're a 30-year-old prospect, right? This kid is a 21-year-old prospect. He's got a lot of people excited. So I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Let's jump back to the phones here. Uh, let's see. 915, you're on TNC. 915, you're on the show. Go. Hey, what's up, man? This is uh, Sebastian from the Sun City, man. Sebastian, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm good. How about yourself, man? Chilling, bro. Chilling. Hey, how's the weather out there, man? We got here with snow over here, man. You know, it, it, um, 
It's actually thunderstorming today, bro, which is weird for me. Like a thunderstorm in February, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But if it was like five degrees colder, it would be snow. But it's just warm enough to where it's still rain. But it's like gray and this really, really cold rain. It sucks. I'd rather it be snow. (laughs) All right, man, cool. Well, listen, I'm going to mention some USC stuff, so hopefully the chat doesn't get mad at me. But I'm going (laughs) to tie it into boxing right now. No, let's hear it, bro. Yeah, I want to hear more about the UFC stuff. Yeah, well, I don't really watch it myself, but, you know, a lot of my friends and coworkers do. And there was a big fight yesterday, I think, with Usman. Oh, yeah. And uh, I heard my friends talking about it, and they were just complaining how the commentators were trying to call him an all-time great because I think he has, like, a 15 or 16 win streak right now. And they they just got upset, like, oh, they're trying to compare him to GSP, who had 15 wins in title fights. This guy only has four wins in title fights, so... So I'm hearing these guys talking about the nuance of USC fighting, and they can't bring that same kind of thinking to boxing, you know? I hear you, man. I, look, for the record, I see this in all sports. It, it, it's interesting you bring this up, man, because so Usman, I think, is 18-1. and one. He beat Gil, Gilbert Burns last week, uh, who's 19-4. and four. And I think what UFC wants to do right now, because Ronda Rousey's done – uh, Conor McGregor's done. Jorge Masvidal isn't the guy they wanted him to be. So who's the big star, right? And they desperately right. want to promote the next big dude, right? So, so maybe that's Usman, and they're trying to build him up and promote him. And it's not just UFC. Boxing does this. Uh, the NBA does this. The NFL does this, dude. Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl a week ago. And the next day on SportsCenter on ESPN, they were saying, well, look at what Serena Williams did in tennis. Look at what this dude did in this sport or what that dude did in that sport. They're immediately trying to prop up the next young guy over the dude that's on his way out. That Every sport does that. So it doesn't surprise me that UFC is trying to do that with uh, Kamaru Usman because he's – Actually, I'm, I'm looking. He's actually 33 years old. He's pretty. He's pretty up there in age. But in terms of his star power in UFC, he's one of the new guys, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, again, I'm not. I don't know for sure because I don't follow it. But I believe he is, and that's what it sounds like they were trying to do with the commentary crew. That's dude. That's what they do. They 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 want to build up the next big guy. I mean, look at boxing, man, with um they're comparing Ryan Garcia to Oscar De La Hoya already. They're comparing Javante Davis to Floyd Mayweather already. And same thing with Devin Haney. And it's like just let this shit play out. But Patrick Mahomes, okay, I'll go back to the NFL real quick. They were calling Patrick Mahomes yeah. an all-time great. This dude's won one Super Bowl, and he has the most loaded offense maybe in NFL history. The guy won a Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Tom Brady has beat him twice in the playoffs, once on the Patriots, once on the Chiefs, and they're trying to call this dude an all-time great already. That's what media does now, dude. And Look, I'm a part of the sports media but I try to pump the brakes on that shit and say, Let, let's wait. Like, like Tia Fibo Lopez. Yes, yeah. three great wins in a row. But let's pump the brakes. Am I ready to call him an all-time great yet? No. He still needs to do a little bit more against his generation of fighters. He's off to a great start. He's the Patrick Mahomes of boxing right now. But let, let's pump the brakes and just you know take our time. So, so, again, it doesn't surprise me that the UFC commentators are doing this 
every sport does it right now, including boxing. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's just, it's just frustrating because I think that's part of the reason why we got people uh, respecting an O more than they're respecting a resume or even looking at the resume these days. Right. I completely so, agree with yeah. you, man. It, the O doesn't mean shit. It's about who you fought, when you fought them, and how the fights played out. Yes, sir. Anyway, man, I just want to get your thoughts on that, but thanks for having me on the show, Mike. Yeah, thanks for calling in, man. Calling any time, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for all the content, man. Gets me through some days. Thanks, man. All right. I appreciate you listening, man. Have a good one. You too. Later. There he goes from the Sun City. And I'm going over here to the chat. Uh, Trent Nam Perea with a super chat pledge. Thank you so much, Trent. I appreciate it, brother. One of the loyal listeners to TNC. He says, Bahachek going to destroy Brandon Adams on 3-4. Sergei Bahachek, who, by the way, if you're not following him on Twitter, He's very interactive with his fans, uh, really, really talks to people, posts a lot of stuff of him working out, but also personal stuff like, hey, l- let me know what you guys are listening to today. I need a, I need a, 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 play, a playlist for my workout at the gym today. He'll post stuff like that. It's fun. So some of you guys who are on Twitter and Instagram, make sure you follow him because he's very, very interactive with the fans. And at this point in his career, you can really like reach out and touch him and have an impact on him. But uh, Trent, thank you for the super chat again. But um, I'm with you, dude. I think he's going to make a statement. I think that he sees that, by the way, those cards that they're doing, that's what uh, NBC Sports Network, I think, those are fun cards in the middle of the week like that. And I think that he's going to make a statement there. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. As much as I like the 154 to 160 weight class, well, I'll say 147 to 160 right now, that whole range, there's some good fighters there and everything. I'm more excited about the prospects coming up at those weights right now. The guys that are at 147, 154 might settle in at 160 at some point, but the dudes coming up right now in those weight classes it really, really excite me because I think the guys that currently hold titles and stuff right there are about some bullshit, trying to maximize their money. They're not about fighting the best consistently, but the prospects coming up are. And Bohacek's one of those guys. I'm super excited about that. Trent with another Super Chat pledge. Thanks again, brother. He says, uh, Kitroff versus French star. Mobili, thoughts on Kitroff? I like Kitroff. He's got a fight coming up. Uh, He's another guy to keep an eye on. I don't know about the power. I don't know about the power with him. That might cost him. Um, at the elite level, but let's wait and see, bro. Let's wait and see. All right, I think we got another phone call here. I think we got a UK f- call here. Let's jump over to this phone. 3538, you're on the show. You're on TNC, go. How's it going, Mike? It's Mark from Ireland. How are you doing? Mark, what's up, man? Unrivaled, Mr. Unrivaled right here on the chat. What's going on, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm actually I'm doing fantastic, actually. But um, <clears throat> I wanted to respond to, real quick just to Trent and Beely's gonna beat Kitrov. Really? For anyone who's not on Beely, he's a phenomenal boxer. He's trained by he's actually trained by Mark Ramsey. Fantastic boxer, great amateur background, fantastic wow. fighter. He's gonna school him. Kitrov doesn't have the power. Comes forward a bit too much. He's going to make use of a lot of angles. I'm, I'm putting that out there right now. He's going to beat him. 
I know Trent loves his Eastern European boys. Bro, I'm sorry. That's a bad fight for him. And Bealy is dangerous. Bealy, I think that's a future world champion right there. Bealy has 16 knockouts and 17 fights. Fights out of France from Cameroon originally. But but look, man, he's making a huge leap in opposition against Kitroff, is he not? No, I don't think so. At professional really? level, sure. Um, this, yeah, this dude, uh, this dude was well proven, like as an amateur, very well proven as an amateur. He fought in the he Olympics. Fought better opposition than, uh, yes, he fought in the Olympics. He fought guys like Adrian Lopez. He fought uh, Mertrafanov, uh, Hraska. Uh, he's been in there with some bad boys, some very bad boys. Like one of my favorite wins from that I seen him. Like I'll give you an idea. Uh, I think it was 2015. I thought he beat. One of my favorite fighters is Beck the Bully in 2015. And he lost the World Championships in Qatar, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good fighter. This is a high-level guy. A very high-level guy. I like Kitschow's though. I think in Bealy's uh, I think he's. I think he's a possible world champion. Mike. Honest. Honest. Mark's calling it here, guys. I, look, I'm going to take Kitschow by close points win, but... Uh, we'll we'll talk about it next week. Or well, these guys are fighting. Oh, they're fighting in mid March, so we'll talk about it in a few weeks. But uh, I like that matchup. That's those are the kinds of matchups that we need to see with the young guys. Absolutely. Oh, one hundred percent. It's a very good point. And like you say, it's a it's a step up. I will like I will level. Keychop's been in there with good guys, but he has shown he does have a bit of a chin issue. You're right in that that lack of power. By the way, uh, my wife just came in with another shot. She's killing me, guys. She's killing me. Salute. <laughs> this is to you, Mark. This is to everyone listening with my Detroit Tigers glass. She brought me another drink of vodka. She's really trying to mess me up on the show here as she stays off camera. By the way, baby, can, can you bring the charger for the laptop? It's a 10% battery. <laughs> All right. Salute, guys. Salute. <clears throat> Anyway, Mark, all right, you're on the record with that. By the way, Trent in the chat, another super yeah. chat pledge. Thank you, Trent. He says, I know about Bealy, and I'm picking him. So Trent agrees with you. He says, but I want Kitroff to win. I said French star, if you saw my comment, is the world in the World Boxing Super Series, He, or I'm sorry, the World Series of Boxing, he was a beast. I know about him. Yeah, because uh, Bealy fought in the World Series of Boxing, correct? I do believe... Unbeaten. Yeah. Unbeaten. Let me ask you, Mark, yeah. because you follow this <laughs> stuff very closely. World Series of Boxing, should those be considered professional fights, or do you consider them amateur fights? I personally look at them as professional-level five-rounders. I really do. Okay. Um, the, the gloves, the gloves they're literally – they are they – are, they are, the four rounds lighter than most of the amateur contest, and two ounces more. And the pro contest. So if the pro is eight, they're wearing ten. Yeah, you got what I mean. So no, I, that's the only difference. I, you know, I've talked about this on my show a lot. I, I started on the beat covering World Series of boxing cards for the Los Angeles Matadors, and I said it right then and there: these are professional fights. These guys are in there with no headgear, smaller gloves. They're not eight ounce, as you said. But uh, I saw guys get broken noses in those fights, busted lips, uh, cut cuts over the eye 
I, th- those were real fights, yeah. dude, Castanio and I think they should count. Castanio Derevianchenko was in the World Series of Boxing, and it was a war. It was yes. a war. Yes, I, I saw several lawyer. wars. Right, they, those we used to have cards in Hollywood, and I'm telling you, I, I saw several guys grow up on the job in those fights, and I saw some guys get worn out in those fights. Ruche Warren fought on too long in those fights. He should have went uh, all the way pro earlier on, but he he was like the captain of the L.A. Matadors. He was the top U.S. boxer in the World Series of Boxing, and I thought that he wasted some of his quote unquote pro career in those fights. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you, Mark. Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now I wanted to, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on rising heavyweight prospect over on top rank, Jared Anderson. It was a good win over a dude who probably should have beat your boy Guido. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he my boy? What do you think? Racist. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> That's not racist. If anything, I'm I'm quoting nationalism via stereotype. That's okay, okay, dude, I'm totally joking. Um, look, I know Jared Anderson again. When and I talked about this earlier, maybe you got on late to the show. What I like about him is not just that he's six four, two forty five, two fifty, good size, moves well, can can go left handed, right handed, all of that power. Because the, the the shot that he knocked his dude out with was a clubbing punch. It's not like it was right on the chin. It was kind of to the side of the head, the side of the glove. But there was enough power there where he got it done. It was to the temple. But what I like is that he's 21. I kind of look at him like a Daniel Dubois. Take your time. Build him up. Because you've got time with heavyweights. Dude, you've got 10 years. Don't rush it. So I like the potential there. What do you see in him? Well, I think he's better than Daniel. Um, Daniel's got no damn feet and no ability to move his head off a line. Anderson does. He's stiff. And Anderson can move, Can move right? He moves at the waist. And the one thing about Danny Dubois, wide shoulders. That dude's built like a tank. Danny Dubois is this wide. But he doesn't move his, his upper body. And Anderson absolutely moves yeah. and can bend under shots and get around shots. But he's only 21. Take your time, dude. No reason to rush. No reason. No reason to rush at all. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people be like, Anderson should fight Carlos to calm. And I'm like, hold your damn horses. Do you know what's a nice little boy from Jonathan Rice? That's a good boy from Who? Who? The next one. Say it again. Jonathan Rice. Jonathan Rice. Okay. The long guy who fought at the Ajagba, took him the distance, went yeah. to the final round with... Uh, Goes With rounds, Australian but doesn't punch very hard. Yeah, yeah. Very, very long, awkward guy. Yeah. He's, a, he's one of those dudes who keeps his arm really extended and keeps himself fully away from you because he's got a crazy reach. Yeah. He was out, He was able to keep a Jagba off him just with that reach. And a Jagba's got really long arms. He was trying to jab with Royce and Royce was popping him with it. So right. I think it'd be a very good experience for Anderson. At the very least, because he's crafty. He's an all. He's he's one of those proper veterans, you know. Yes, I like that matchup too. I, I think that that's a guy who's going to give you rounds, has craft, doesn't punch very hard, so you can outwork him because he doesn't punch often. He doesn't punch hard. Stays at distance. Just outwork the guy. You're going to win on points, but that's going to be learning on the job for Anderson. 
I like that matchup a lot. It also gives him uh, rounds in the bag. Because, yes. like, if Royce manages to take him eight or nine, that's already bordered and he's been. And a heavyweight, you do need to get rounds in. Because when you get into those championship-level fights, you don't want to be a dude who's been knocking everybody out in three, four, five rounds. And then you have to go 12 with, let's say, he's in a final eliminator and he's in there with someone like Joe Joyce. Whose chin is made of granite? There you go. Well, I would, you, you say that, Mark. You read my freaking mind. You're you're brilliant. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to Daniel Dubois, and I get it. There's some limitations there, but he was having his way with everyone he fought. He got in there with Joe Joyce, who I agree with you. Slow moves very slow, like he's underwater. But he's shown so far a relaxation in the ring and an ability to absorb punishment, sees punches coming, rolls with them, absorbs them, and Dubois just did not know great how job. to respond to that. So I agree with you. He's also got a great job. And yes. he's got educated feet. And he throws that jab from awkward angles. He gets leverage on it. It's very loose. It's like a rope. It's like a whip, right? Mm-hmm. He snaps the well, hand hits, at the very end. Like a Boom. Yes, absolutely agree. And then, so... Um, he don't want to end up in a fight with someone like that or maybe a Hergovich down the line or whatever and he's just been beating up all these guys in four or five rounds. They need to get him in there, get him rounds. Jonathan Royce, Kevin Johnson, you know, the proper customers. Kevin Johnson proper would be another good one. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, then, I think Reese first, then Kevin Johnson. But yes, I agree. Those are the types of guys. Build, Get him rounds against these guys with different styles, you know, guys who could be cute in there like Johnson. And then maybe eventually, 2022, 2023, you step them up to guys like a Joyce, whoever. I wouldn't even say Joyce. I'd, I'll be honest, like, just because Joyce might be just dangerous unless Joyce slows down. Like, I'd say 2022, 2023, that's when you should look at getting him in there with Carlos to count because he's getting older. I, You know, Carlos to come is one of those guys that – in the 90s and the 70s would have been one of those perennial contenders. You know what I'm saying? That there, You had a dozen of those guys in the 90s and the 70s, and now you only have a handful of them. But Takama is one of those guys that's going to give you rounds. He's going to get cute. He's going to shell up, get underneath your shots, give you rounds. He'll have I agree with you, man. Austin. You're spitting bars tonight, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I'm 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 more drunk than you are though. I'll say that. <laughs> I've only um, had two shots. Hey, it is what it is. I, but although, although I haven't drank in a while, so these two shots are catching up to me a little bit. I, by the way, I'm going to the boxing gym tomorrow at 10 a.m. or 10 a.m. I'm going to get my ass kicked. Tiffany's watching right here off camera, laughing at me right now. I'm going to get my ass handed to me tomorrow morning. I'm going to blame her for it. That's what what a wife does to you. Just pump the job. I'll tr- I'll try, man. I'll try to keep that that left hand, the left arm gets a little heavy these days. But I'll, I'll try. We'll see what happens. Well, every time it starts feeling heavy, pop the right arm. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that, brother. I like that. There you go. So, um, I'll I'll ask one last question, and then I'll head out. Right. Um. um very simple. What next, uh, in your opinion, uh, for JoJo? Because I know Rakamov is being ordered to fight against the Gawa, I think, uh, for the vacant title. JoJo yeah. stripped of... The, the IBF's going to go forward with their thing. Equation. 
Look, man, I think because of Golden Boy Promotions oh. um, relationship, put put JoJo in there with Shukan. I like that matchup. I like the activity. I think in Southern California, that's can't miss. You got to admit, that would be a fun fight to watch. But isn't Shukan at 126? He has a title right there right now. Oh, yeah. God damn it. You're right. Uh, yeah, I was just who thinking. am I thinking about? Um, I was struggling at 130. You're right. All right. Hold on. Give me a second. Let me see. The titles at 130 are Tank Davis, Jamel Herring, slash Brampton, slash Shakur Stevenson, Miguel Berchelton. The OBF is now vacant. Uh, where do you go? It's not going to be Stevenson. Herring is going to fight. Herring's going to fight Frampton. If he wins that fight, it's going to be Stevenson. You know what, dude? It sounds crazy, but maybe a rematch with Tevin Farmer. It's not going to be Davis. It's not going to be Burchell. It's not going to be Colbert. Maybe Rene Alvarado. Mm-hmm. He's coming off a loss. There's Concio. Those guys are available. Mm. Uh, Renee's coming off of the loss for uh, Roger Gutierrez. Right. I just think stylistically that could be good. My thing is I go back to Shu Khan because I'm like, who does he fight? Because Warrington's out. And it's possible Warrington and Lara rematch. Uh, Galahad's kind of left there standing with his dick in his hand. Russell's going to fight Trevante Davis. Navarrete is Emmanuel Navarrete versus John Zhu. After the Diaz fight, sign it up. I'd love that. I'd love that if it could happen. That's a war. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. Because for, uh, one thing I would have loved would have been Navarrete versus uh, Lara, but I heard that Lara and him are stablemates. And that kind of makes They're friends. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're friends. So <sighs> where's Nyambar fight, uh, fit into all this? Um I think he could still make for some interesting Yo, fights. Well, he's going up to 130, so Troll and are in there with Jojo. That'd be a good fight. He, I, yeah, he's in that mix. Uh, Nyambar could be fun. There's a few possibilities, bro. I, I don't know, man. Uh, for, for Diaz, I hope he stays disciplined and can get back down to 130. Because I'll tell you something, at 135, oh, he's, he's fucked. At 135. If he goes to 135, yeah, he's fucked. Yeah, it's like Abner Mara is at 126, bro. That's like Abner Mara is at 126. That, that's not good. <laughs> that ain't good. That'd uh, sell in Southern California, okay. but yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, appreciate you uh, letting me call in, Mike. Have a good one. Buddy. Thanks for calling in, Mark. It's good to hear from you, man. It's been a while. Thanks a lot. There he goes, guys. Mark, Unrivaled Boxing Talk. If you guys haven't checked out his channel, it's pretty freaking awesome. All right, so we are over an hour into the show. I've got to get to this fight preview. We've got a loaded week. Uh, okay, Tiffany is pouring one more shot. I'm going to do one more shot, guys. And then we're going to – Tiffany, just for those of you who think we're faking, there you go. This is Tito's. If you guys haven't had Tito's, it's pretty good. Well, yeah, th- this is why, you know, I, I called Shu Khan a 130-pounder. You realize a bunch of haters are going to have their way with me on Twitter this week. There's literally over 100 world titleists in boxing. I get 
one off by four pounds, and now there's going to be YouTube videos about me. Good job. Good job, babe. All right, guys. Salute, Detroit Tigers. Here we go. Okay, fight preview very, very quickly, guys. And we have a loaded week. This is another loaded fight schedule. Wednesday, February 17th, there's another Showbox card from Connecticut. Uh, Vladimir Shishkin, who I'm pretty high on. I like this prospect. Going up against Senna at Beko. 10-rounder, 168 pounds. And then also uh, Genosan Figueroa, Baca Chia going up. Oh, I'm sorry, Baca Chica going up against Mark Reyes Jr. 10-rounders, 147, or 10 rounds, 147 pounds. Good showbox card. I like these showbox cards in the middle of the week. Traditionally, showbox goes on Friday. I like these cards on Wednesday. And I talked a minute ago about the NBC sports cards going up on the middle of the week like that too. I like that, man. Let's get some more cards in the middle of the week. Not everything has to be Friday, Saturday night. Speaking of Friday night, February uh, February 19th, there's an ESPN Plus card from MTK Global from Wakefield, England. You guys can check that out. And then Saturday, February 20th, we have three competing cards. Let's start over in London. Matchroom on the zone, David Avenesian. 26, 3-1, going up against Josh Kelly, 10-0-1. This, of course, is a welterweight fight. Big step up in opposition for Kelly. Avenisian has faced some top guys. He's come up short in most of those fights against Kavliowskis and a couple others. He beat Shane Mosley and advanced uh, well well past prime Shane Mosley, but all that experience. Avenisian, very experienced, uh, been in there with some top guys. However, his style, I just believe his style plays into what Josh Kelly wants. If Kelly can remain disciplined, box at a distance, use his fundamentals, his craft, I do believe he is the superior athlete in this fight, the superior boxer. If he uses those skills, he wins this fight on the cards, he goes up a notch, he he goes up another peg on the ladder on his journey to championship uh, contention. Also, uh, TGB Promotions and Salida Promotions and about Billions Promotions all joining together to bring you this card from Ukensville, Connecticut, PBC on Showtime. Adrian Broner returns to the ring two years off, guys. Adrian Broner has not fought since January of 2019 when he lost clearly to Manny Pacquiao. I I took heat for saying that Pacquiao clearly beat Broner. Now, was it a 12-0 shutout? No. It was competitive. But he beat Broner eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three. It was that sort of fight. Okay. Some of you guys out there got a little, you know, oh, this was a draw. This was a Robert. Get over yourself. Pacquiao clearly beat him. Anyway, that was at 147. This fight is listed as a 10-rounder at 140. Here's my upset special of the week. Now, a lot of you guys think my upset special is picking Valdez over Burchelt. My upset special of the week is picking Broner to make weight. That is my upset special this week. I actually think Broner is going to make 140 pounds. For years, we've been hearing about Broner. Oh, he's finally gonna he's finally grown up. He's finally a grown man, he's come to terms with his demons, and he's going to calm down. He has 8,000 kids with 7,000 different women. 
But he's finally put on a condom. He's not banging that chick in the alley behind the bowling alley, knocking her up. Okay, I actually believe it this time. I think he's going to make weight in this fight, 140 pounds, against a Puerto Rican fighter with a very weak resume, Giovanni Santiago. This is a showcase fight if you ever saw one, okay? And I think Broner's going to win. I think he's going to win big. Also on this card, I'm pretty excited for this heavyweight fight, I got to say. I'm partial to the heavyweights. I was going to say I'm a heavyweight. I'm actually a bridgerweight who poses as a heavyweight because I'm a little fat right now. Otto Valin going up against Dominic Brazil. Uh, Otto Valin had one fight in 2020. Had his, I won't say close, but competitive loss to Tyson Fury in 2019. One fight in 2020. Dominic Brazil, zero fights since being flattened in one round by uh, Deontay Wilder's dynamite right hand in 2019. I favor... Otto Valin in this fight, but I think there's going to be flailing, crazy punches that you're going to see from last Tuesday. These guys are going to telegraph punches from last week. It's going to be a lot of fun. When you see two giant men, I want to say like Brazil's like 6'6", 6'7". Valin's like 6'5". These, guys, these dudes are bigger than me, and I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm 6'4". When you see giant men like this wailing away at each other, it's just fun. It's just so much fun. So I'm looking forward to this one. By the way, I'm going over here to the Super Chat Pledge, Unrivaled Boxing Talk. Mark, thank you so much, brother. He says, big up to you, Mike. Big up to you, Mark. Salute. Thank you so much for calling in, man. I love Mark's channel. Mark does an outstanding job. Mark reminds me a lot of myself. Before I officially, quote-unquote, became part of boxing media, when I was just a diehard degenerate fan, I would talk about this sport. I would make videos that would rub some people the wrong way because I talked about things a little too honestly. And that's what Mark does now. There's a few channels out there like that that I enjoy watching. Mark's is one of them. If you're not subscribed, make sure you do. Because he's one of those guys out there keeping it real. One thing I really love about Mark, he pays attention to the lower divisions and to the amateur guys. And that's important. That's very, very important. So make sure you guys check him out. Okay, so I talked about the matchroom card in London. The TGB Salida About Billions Promotions cards in Connecticut. Let's talk about this top-ranked card on ESPN from the bubble at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. In the Comey, Gabriel Flores Jr., a friend to the show. He's been on the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. 19-0, and 130-pounder uh, junior lightweight. Going up against Jason Velez, who has fought everybody. A consummate professional out of Puerto Rico. Uh, really, really, Jason Velez is one of those guys, I kind of see him like uh, the way I see Carlos Takam. One of those guys who's fought everybody that you need. You need a Carlos Takam. You need a Jason Velez. You need a... Uh, let's see, Gabriel Rosado, right, at middleweight or junior middleweight. You need those guys who have fought everybody, who are willing to go in there and fight everybody to determine the pretenders from the contenders. And that's what this fight is. Velez, of course, coming off a loss, coming off a loss to Oscar Valdez, who I'll talk about in just a second. But Velez has been in there with everybody at junior lightweight, 130 pounds. This is a good step-up fight for Flores. I like Flores a lot. He's got a great team around him, good-looking kid, well-spoken, 
exciting in the ring. He's had a couple of fights that were kind of duds, but they were learning on the job kind of experiences where he went the distance, got rounds in. I think you're going to see a really good performance from him here. I think you're going to see a statement making. He's going to go rounds. This might go the distance. But don't be surprised if he uh, touches up Velez in this fight and lumps him up a little bit, puts some bruises on him, some cuts on him. Maybe he drops him. Maybe he stops him late. But I think we're going to see a statement-making performance from Flores here. In the main event, Miguel Burchelt, 37-1, and going up against Oscar Valdez, 28-0. Of course, this is a 12-rounder. For Burchelt's WBC junior lightweight title, of course, that's 130 pounds. Let's talk about some of the numbers. Burchelt, 29 years old. A lot of people think that Burchelt's the older fighter in this matchup. You'll be surprised to know it's actually Valdez who's a year older. Valdez is 30. Burchelt's 29. Because of their career trajectories, right, Valdez is kind of just kind of coming into his own or he moved up in weight recently and everything. And and, and for Burchelt, his big Coming on the scene was 2017, 2018. He's seen as the older guy. He's actually 29. Valdez is 30. But Burchell is 5'7", 71-inch reach. He's the bigger man. Valdez is 5'5", 66-inch reach. Burchell, a good run from 2017 to 2019. He fought um, Mayura, the Japanese fighter, Vargas, the the Mexican fighter. Some good wins under that... uh, resume over the last few years. However, however, in 2020, slow down a bit. And I get it. Global pandemic, I understand. Some fighters stayed busy in 2020. Burchell, one fight against a cab driver, right? Against a donut cook. Won that fight, but I don't know if that kept him in the best shape. Meanwhile, Valdez, Moved to 130 pounds in 2019. I get it. Naturally smaller guy. Started at featherweight. Moving up in weight here. I just think he's battle-tested, dude. Went up against... Remember that fight against Scott Quigg? That was during the monsoon there in Southern California. I was ringside. I remember my boy Steve Kim was like right here wearing a, a poncho. Literally a poncho. The hood, the whole deal. And I'm sitting there wearing my sweatsuit. I was like, fuck it. I'm not wearing a suit to this fight. I wore a sweatsuit. We're all getting rained on. I'm standing right next. I could literally touch the ring with my hand right behind the commentator crew. And I'm watching uh, Valdez break his jaw. Second, third round, something. It was early in the fight. Quig didn't even try to make weight. Naturally bigger, much, much bigger, much, much stronger. Putting all his weight on Valdez, doing everything he could to try to get him out of there. Valdez with a busted jaw. Fought the entire fight. I want to say 10 rounds of that fight. At least 8, 9 rounds of that fight with a broken jaw. Finishes. Wins on the cards. I just think he showed me something in that fight, dude. And he he started training with the Reynoso camp. It's hard for me to go against the Reynoso fighter right now, guys. When you think of boxing trainers, you think of a lot of different fighters. A lot of different trainers. Okay. But when you think of great boxing minds... There's only a handful. Stephen Breadman Edwards, friend to the show, one of the best boxing minds on earth right now living, okay? But I think Eddie Reynoso is an underrated boxing mind. I think he sees boxing differently than most people, breaks it up, 
breaks it down differently. On the same level of an Eddie Futch, an Emmanuel Stewart, a Stephen Breadman Edwards. I really do believe this. And I think that Valdez working on that team, having all that greatness around him, I just can't bet against him in this fight. And I know that everyone's going with Perchelt. I'm looking at YouTube, all the podcasts. I'm looking at iTunes. I'm looking at uh, Twitter. Everyone's saying Valdez, or I'm sorry, uh, Burchell is going to just march through Valdez, destroy him, knock him out. I'm feeling the upset special here, guys. In 2020, when Burchell felt fought a nobody, got by, won, I get it. Valdez fought Jason Velez, who's fighting in the Kome, coincidentally on this card. Dropped him three times. To my knowledge, Velez has never been down as a pro. Fought everybody. Never been down. Valdez dropped him three times in this fight. And look, Valdez busted his jaw in fights. He's been down in multiple fights multiple times. But I'm telling you right now, I just got a gut feel. I've been called stupid. I've been called a moron plenty of times. Won't be the first. Won't be the last. I get it. I'm going to go with Valdez by possibly controversial points win here. Against Burchell. Call me and say, hey, look, maybe Burchell blows him away and all the Twitter experts are proven right on this one and I'm proven wrong. I got to eventually, I got to pick an upset special, right? That's what I got to do here. I got I to step over the line, put my balls out, and pick an upset special. I'm going to take Oscar Valdez, 115-113. Close, controversial points win over Miguel Burchell. Now, for the record... <laughs> Mark, unrivaled boxing talk here on the chat. By the way, super chat pledge. She says Steve is hilarious. By the way, I agree. And by the way, Steve is a wonderful human being. I've seen Steve outside of boxing. I've hung out with Steve and talked to him uh, just as a friend outside of boxing. Wonderful, wonderful person. Great guy. I consider him a good friend of mine. And he's done things for me that I'll never forget. I always consider him a good friend, but he is a really funny guy. He's a goofy motherfucker and a funny guy. And so I agree with your super chat pledge there, Mark. Thank you again. But Mark says, Burchell and still, and then he follows it up with, you're insane. Look, talk to me next week. Look, if Burchell wins big, you could call in, you can make fun of me, you could call me a stupid asshole. You won't be the first guy to call me that, okay? And you certainly won't be the last. There's a bunch of people on YouTube right now making videos about me saying all that stuff, okay? All right, guys. Awesome freaking show. We had some great calls today, including Mark's call and everybody else. I appreciate it so much, guys. Uh, I just want to make a point. My sister, my brother-in-law, and my little nephew visited this week and came down to Stater House in Atlanta. It was an awesome time. Family is everything. Family is an institution. It is the foundation of your life. If you haven't talked to your mom recently, your dad, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, pick up the damn phone and call them. It's everything, okay? You guys are my family. I love you guys. I'll see you at the fights.